Hey, it's Mark. Digital health funding, which grew to a record high of nearly $30 billion in 2021, is set to shrink significantly this year to around $21 billion. As the VC funding market retreats, digital health startups that raised hundreds of millions of dollars are facing anemic growth and having to lay off employees to stash cash and keep the lights on. Yet, even amidst the tighter funding landscape, digital health unicorns are still being made. Take Bioformis, the remote patient monitoring company raised $20 million in an extended Series D round from Intel Capital earlier this summer, bringing the total for the round to $320 million. And with that round, the firm cemented a unicorn $1 billion valuation. The company's funding success continues to buck the health tech funding trends. This week on the podcast, to what extent does the commercial organization play a part in helping a digital health company stand out during the downturn in digital health investment? I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. We'll speak with Shiza Hussein, Chief Commercial Officer of Bioformis, about commercial strategies in digital medicine during a quiet health tech investment period. Shiza, who was involved in the firm's deal with Intel Capital, will also share insights about what role the commercial chief played in closing that deal. Shiza, how are you? And welcome to the MMNN Podcast. Hi, Mark. Thank you. It's, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. I am as well. Uh, so first, let's just start out with uh, talking a little bit about your background. You come from the medical device and telecom side. But tell us about your career path. That's a great question. It's a fun one to try to summarize in a, in a short response, but let me try. So I did start out my career uh, on the engineering side, right? That's on the technology side of the business. And I did start with a some major organizations that were working on telecom and networking and really grew my experience in writing code, doing the work to actually create these solutions. And over about 20 years or so, I have spent most of my career on the commercial side of the business, things like marketing and sales, moving from a networking and telecommunications type environment into healthcare, IT, medical device, digital health um, with a previous organization I was with. And then finally to Bioformis. So I've spent my entire career, one, trying to understand technology well, but then the majority of it, trying to understand how do we then apply it to healthcare and how do we communicate that value effectively? Because hospitals, health systems, payers, pharma companies, they are they get to see a wealth of solutions, an ever-changing market. And how do we help them understand what's available in the market, what is valuable to address their initiatives? and who they should partner with. And that's really where I've spent the majority of my career, right? Is taking that engineering experience and then really spending more of it on the commercial side, on the marketing and sales side, saying, how do we make sure that people understand what we do and the value we bring, whichever organization I was with. So that provided you a wealth of knowledge uh, on the engineering and technical side for now what you do, which is kind of an interesting pivot, you know, onto the commercial side. Tell us about your day-to-day role for Bioformis, which as a company is interesting, has kind of two sides to the company, as I understand it. You have kind of this remote virtual care side, and then you also have a side where you're developing digital therapeutics that work alongside traditional drugs, right? 
It's exactly right. And I joined Bioformis a little over a year ago. And in my commercial role, there are, I would say, three parts to it. One is um, marketing, right? So think more commercial marketing as well as um, you know our, our branding and, and just who we are as a company and how the world sees us. And so part of my team's time is, or one of my teams, what they work on or have been working on over the past year is making sure that in the market across around the world that people understand what bioformas can do both from a digital therapies, clinical trial, complement, et cetera, perspective with our pharma company partners to what we can provide from a remote patient monitoring and management perspective with our virtual care solutions. And so we spend a lot of time making, under, making people understand who we are, what we do, and how we fit into their world. So that's kind of part one of what my responsibilities are and have been over the past year. Part two on the commercial side is then working with all of those types of organizations, hospitals, health systems, payers, and pharma companies to then put partnerships in place, right? That help us take our solutions to market. You know, said differently, Mark, it's the selling part of it, right? It's the sales team. And my focus has been very much on the hospitals and health system side today or to date, because that's where a lot of my experience comes from um, in my previous roles is working with hospitals and health systems, not only across the United States and North America, but globally, right? To help address their challenges with digital health solutions. So we have a great team that we continue to grow because of the great demand and to meet with hospitals and health systems to talk about their initiatives and how our platform and solutions can help. And then part three, and Mark, I know we're going to get into this a little bit, it's partnerships, right? It's everything like what we're doing with CVS, who's an investor of ours as well, but also a potential partner, and other unique partnerships that allow us and our partners to deliver in the market that might not be a traditional hospital health system being a partner of ours or a customer of ours or a pharma company, but other unique partnerships that we can put together with organizations that offer complementary services or solutions and simplify the experience for our customers and yet give them a more comprehensive solution to be able to take to their market. That's great. And then as we kind of like to think of things at MM&M, it's marketing, it's really writ large. And I think that's a really good, um, your perfect example of that, that the commercial chief really has to have their eye, not just on branding and traditional advertising and marketing, but partnering and, you know, working within the, the, the greater ecosystem, um, as you put it, you know, with, with organizations that are sort of non-traditional in, so, in some cases, in order to meet consumer preferences and consumer demand, which is for having a more consumer-friendly experience with healthcare. So I think you're, you're a shiny example of that. And we'll get back to uh, that in a moment. I just want to ask this next question might seem kind of obvious, but tell us why the, the funding environment and cash flow and liquidity are so important for digital health startups. It's a great question. There's three things that there's so many reasons, as you'd say, and a lot of them may be obvious, but three that are top of mind for me. One is, of course, the message that it also sends in the market, right, about the type of organization we are and how, look, a lot of a lot of our potential customers are looking out into the market for potential partners and saying, who should I partner with? Who has the right type of solution for me? Who have others looked at and said, hey, that's, you know, that's a great partner to work with and who is backed by the experts in the market? And funding is one signal of that. Right? It is, right? You don't put your money behind something that you are not highly confident in. And with the partners or investors that we have, that we are so fortunate to have as Bioformis, we are sending a message to the market that 
some very experienced, you know, uh, well-renowned investors have chosen Bioformis and are, and that almost uh, I've had customers say or potential customers say to us, it's like they're doing our due diligence for us. And that is wonderful, right? So that's number one. Number two, it allows us to continue to grow our existing partnerships as well as add others. Because when you have um, investment dollars, you know, from our perspective, right, we can also invest in how we continue to grow, I'll call it our offerings, right? And what we take out to customers. Um, And third, it allows us to make decisions about how we partner with our customers that are not driven by, to put it really plainly, Mark, do we have the money to to pay our bills, right? I mean, we are allowed to make intelligent decisions that are really more focused on patient care and focused on our customers and focused on what we are trying to build, um, which is a change in how healthcare is delivered, right? And enable virtual care. You said it, Mark, right? Patients, you know, consumers, like we all are have different expectations and growing expectations of how we'll receive care. And I firmly believe that the work that Bioformis and other organizations in the space are doing is going to change the world of healthcare. And we get to make intelligent decisions about how we do that, that are not driven by limitations around our, our funding, right. And how we operate as a business. We're still smart about how we operate, right, Mark, but it allows us to be strategic and not, um, you know, cornered into decisions due to financial constraints, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. allows you to do the work that you need to do for patients. Um, let, let's talk about the, the, the funding, the series D funding round brought your total amount raised to $445 million since your founding in 2015, uh, and earned a, a unicorn $1 billion valuation. Just curious, how much did the commercial activities play a role in achieving that milestone, I'm, I'm sure, certainly, you know, the Bioformis has done a lot of work to increase awareness of what they do among their customers and investors, as you were saying earlier. But talk about, you know, your role in, in closing that deal. Yeah, no, that's it's a very exciting time for us, right? And what I would say, Mark, to even back up from that deal specifically, but more broadly, as we were looking at Series D. What has been wonderful is all the interest that we've had from investors to be a part of that Series D round. We've had um, many potential partners and partners reach out to us and say, look, if you're going to be looking at a round, we'd like to be a part of that. And I just share that because that is a wonderful place to be, especially as you highlighted what we're seeing in the digital tech or digital health space in terms of investment. So what role did the commercial organization play? I mean, one, everything that we do from a marketing and promotional perspective that builds our brand and all of the partners that we brought on board, not only since Bioformis was started several years ago, but in the past year, really helped give confidence to our investors as they were looking at Bioformis in what we've been able to accomplish in the more recent past, as well as being able to show them the potential of where we can go. Because obviously the investors do a lot of due diligence around you know, what are we seeing in front of us, right? What does our pipeline look like? What is the interest from the market we're seeing? And that was one area where the commercial team really has a great opportunity or had a great opportunity to show our investors, you know, here's what's next. Here's what, what's kind of behind the curtain, right? And so that valuation, you know, and that's why we were able to even surpass the 1 billion, you know, unicorn benchmark, right? And we're really at um, 1.3 billion, right? And it's it's significant, right? Um, that's uh, the point three is a lot when you're talking in billions. And so our investors, from a commercial perspective, we were able to show them our pipeline. We were sh- able to show them how we talk about the differentiated value of our solutions and why customers choose us, right? And why partners choose us. And that's really the role we played, as well as even bringing, you know, one some of our investors 
and potential investors to that process, right? People who are saying to us, look, we would like to be considered as an investor. We want to invest in your business. And so the commercial organization was um, in a few cases the first to receive that ask. And so then we fed that into the rest of our executive leadership team for consideration. So when you, and then as you saw, Mark, I'm sure we had our initial series D announcement and that's what took us to 445 million. Um, but then Intel, we just recently announced that Intel has also joined in our series D extension. And so our full uh, funding is actually at 465 million with Intel. Okay. Yeah. Very impressive. In light of the difficult macro environment that we mentioned earlier, uh, we've seen several other digital health firms that have had a hard uh, Q2. Some of them have had to announce layoffs um, to preserve cash and extend their, their runway, so to speak, given that challenging environment. What can other companies do you know, from your perspective, uh, from a commercial standpoint, to stand out? That's a great question. So a couple of things I'd say. One, I have the great benefit of working with a platform and with a team that uh, when we get it in front of our potential customers, um, it shines, right? People are really impressed with what we bring to the table. So why is that, right? So what can you do from a marketing perspective? One is, of course, really understand what your potential customers or target customers' pain points are, right? Is, you know, for a digital health solution, is this something where they are trying to decrease their costs? Are they tying it very much to reimbursement? And by the way, this is different for almost every client that we'll work with, right? Is it tied to reimbursement? Is it driving a reduction in costs? Are, um, depending on the digital health solution, is your target customer trying to create a new revenue stream, right, to improve their you know, operating margin or their business. And so I think the most important thing you can do from a marketing perspective is make sure that you are tailoring how you talk about the value of your solution to um, what your customers or target customers are looking for, right? And it has to have a little bit of a, um, the value is not just a feature set, right? It has to be about what is the real value that you're going to drive for their business. And I think that's one of the main things that any business in the digital health space needs to do is it's not just about what features do we bring to the table, but what is the clinical value and what is the financial value to your target customers about those or from those? Sure. Okay. Very important, you know, in the way you communicate that uh, clinical robustness um, and value at the end of the day, you know, to, to the external market. Uh, Bioformis is in the B2B segment, you know, which actually accounts for the largest share of the digital therapeutics market. How would you assess the progress in getting providers, payers, and employers to learn about the benefits of digital therapeutics and the inclination, so to speak, of pharma companies to integrate DTX with their drug products? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie this a little bit back to your previous question as well in terms of, of what marketing can do and what we're seeing in the market, right? So when we speak to providers, payers, and employers alike, and we and pharma companies, and we talk about our digital therapeutics or how we can help with clinical trials or more, more traditional models with hospitals and health systems. I just use the word traditional, but it's not traditional, it's new. And so in terms of the adoption or what we're seeing in the market, what we're seeing is that a partnership with any one of those types of organizations has to consist of two things. One is first, almost consulting, right? They're trying to understand the space I would say that broadly, there is great interest and growing interest in getting into 
call it virtual care and using digital health technology to enable virtual care in our case, but they need to understand, hey, hey, I'm looking at these types of solutions. Not only who do I need to look at and what solutions, but what else do I need to consider? You know, what do I need to be looking at as a, as a business that needs to operate and operate well and deliver value for their own stakeholders or shareholders? And so the first part of the discussion is really about showing them, hey, we've worked with a lot of different customers out there. Let us tell you what they were looking at. Let us tell you what challenges they faced and how they worked through those. So it almost becomes a little bit of consulting before it really becomes solutions and and solving the problem. So I think the inclination to use your words is there, right? The inclination to integrate those digital therapies into drug products, absolutely there. I think the way that we accelerate that even further and get through some of the um, the ramp, right, or accelerate that ramp is by getting them more comfortable, our partners comfortable with, we as your partner, we Bioformis understand what it takes to stand up this type of solution and what else you might need to consider, plan for, think about as you're doing that. And that's what's going to make that ramp faster, right? They also want to look around and say, who else has done it? We get that question all the time, right? So we're often talking to them about other companies, other pharma companies who've done it, other hospitals and health systems that are really innovating and paving the way in this virtual care space. And that is probably one of the strongest drivers for faster movement in other accounts because they want to go, okay, my peers are doing it so I can go talk to them. And even if I don't talk to them, I've got some confidence that I'm not the first one and um, that this is possible and that it is valuable, right? From a business perspective. And that goes a very long way. Yeah. Right. They they don't have to be first, you know, they can de-risk it a little bit. Uh, This is kind of a follow-on question to that, um, that you work with uh, what I read, 15 of the top 20 pharma companies, including Novartis and AstraZeneca. Talk about how that's going, you know, those kinds of collaborations are going and can you give us kind of a state of the state on digital health pharmaceutical collaborations? So they're going very well. We have many different, you know, as you can imagine, Mark, it's it's a little bit more, you know, easier to talk about the ones that we've done versus the ones that are upcoming. Um, but what I will say, like you mentioned, the one that we have with uh, Novartis, right, where we can help predict by do, using our digital therapeutics as a complement, right? We can predict a patient's likelihood of having like a heart failure exacerbation, right? And provide software-based therapeutic recommendations. That's an example of what we did with Novartis a couple of years ago. Um, and a couple of years ago, we also worked with Shugai, right? Shugai continues to be a partner with our of ours. And they were using our solution and to get more specific, right? Our patient application to assess pain associated with endometriosis patients. So why is that important because then you can then start to optimize the timing of their treatment, right? And really um, have more of an objective measure of pain than maybe standard pain scales, right? That have been used in the past. And of course, there's a lot that we can do with decentralized clinical trials and that we do with decentralized clinical trials, really accelerating that feedback loop, right? And the gathering of data that helps drive those clinical trials. We have met, Mark, a number of what I'll call some of those top 20, as you called them, right? Organizations and pharma companies who we're working with. A lot of um, new things that we're going to announce over the next 12 months. But I would say the momentum is there. The interest is there. That's a market that is growing and it has at a healthy pace. And it's a space that we've been in since Bioforma started with our data and analytics right back uh, seven years ago now. So um, Hopefully that answers your question. There's a number of different partnerships that we've done to date and a number of others that are coming, but it's a healthy space for us and, and one where we're excited about these new partnerships. 
that we'll announce yeah. soon. Yeah. No, that was great. Yeah, I know there's yeah there's a lot to talk about there. That was that was a nice overview. Also wanted to ask you how the pandemic kind of impacted the awareness of your business. I know that a lot for a lot of digital health companies, they saw a, a great increase, a great bump in in awareness um, during that period. But I wanted to see how that impacted Bioformis. And we saw an increase for sure, right? But what's nice is that we had this platform that works really well and was. Yes, accelerated interest because of the pandemic. But here's what I would say, Mark, happened from my perspective, right, during the pandemic. You suddenly had a need for virtual care because... One, you didn't have enough beds, right? Number two, just the you know patients, uh, just the high number of them and wanting to be able to provide care outside of the hospital considering what these patients were suffering from. But I think what we saw is a lot of providers putting solutions in place very, very quickly with as much thought as they could put into it considering everything else that we were being challenged with in a time in, in history that will, you know, was remarkably different from anything that they had ever seen before. And I would say that the interest continues to grow now because what we're getting is a lot of hospitals, providers, you know, put solutions in place that helped in the pandemic, but were not necessarily solutions that would span their future needs. Because one, at the time, they didn't have time to stop and you know do a long process to figure out who exactly the long-term partner is. And number two, no one knew where the world was going, right? We were in a very unique time. And so our interest actually continues to grow now because with Bioformis, you know, we have a disease agnostic, acuity agnostic solution that really spans, you know, what a hospital or health system or provider or payer would need. And so what I'm seeing a lot of, Mark, is now um, hospitals saying to us or health systems saying, look, we had a solution in place. We either put it together ourselves um, completely or we signed up a partner for one very specific disease state or um part of the care continuum. And we are so appreciative of what they were able to do right for us. But now we're stepping back and thinking about virtual care as a complete way that we, a big part of our business. And we need to think about how we partner um, across acuities, across disease areas, um, and not only partners for technology or for data visualization or for insights and analytics, or for services that are complementary services that are needed to stand up a program, but a partner who can bring all of those to the table. So to Mark, to go back to your question, COVID and the pandemic absolutely accelerated the move towards virtual care as a country, globally, et cetera. And we, of course, um, were able to provide a solution in that time, but I actually think you're gonna see it accelerate even further now because this has become a new way of providing care that now hospitals and health systems aren't having to say, wait, I have to do this because I don't have enough beds. I'm putting people in parking lots, right? Because they were, right? They were mm -hmm. setting up you know, parking lots, right? With beds, that's no longer the driver. Now it's more a deliberate, planned initiative and a way that mm -hmm. they are going to deliver for their communities. And interestingly enough, Mark, not just the metros, but what a great way to get out to the rural areas, people right. who don't have easy access to healthcare, right? You start seeing all these other applications. So long response to your, what did COVID and the pandemic do? But I think it just, it was just the catalyst for what we're going to see continue to grow. Right. Right. And on the other hand, the, that has been a, a historic challenge for, for the industry's growth in terms of resistance from traditional healthcare providers. So it sounds like the pandemic did serve as a catalyst for kind of uh, 
to the extent that a health system was on on the fence, say, for this kind of technology to kind of make them uh, take it, you know, bake it into their long-term plans. Uh, but there's other other challenges like unstable payment models, reimbursement continues to be an issue, coverage. How is Bioformis and the commercial team that you lead there working to change that? Great question. So one, on the reimbursement models, I would say one really important piece of this is our team understands them very well. So as we're working with our customers, that's really important because they're also trying to understand them. And so as they're looking at solutions, they're also thinking about for those who are driven by reimbursement, which isn't everyone, Mark, right? But for those who are, I would say that they are looking at reimbursement and saying, okay, per patient, different types of patients, different disease states, what can I get? What can I get back from a reimbursement perspective so that then as I make investments in this space, I know that at a minimum, this might not be a revenue generator for me. It might not be you know, other things, but I'm not going to be in the hole, right? I'm not going to be standing in front of my leadership team and saying, what did we do, right? This is great. The, the public, the community is well taken care of, but we're losing money, right? To put it really plainly. So that's one piece. The other though, Mark, I would say a lot of our partners, our customers are not just looking at this as reimbursement only. Reimbursement is absolutely a driver, right? But we know that virtual care can also drive down costs, right? Think about also payers. They want to you know, to prevent patients from ending up in the hospital because that's a higher cost, um, you know, higher cost issue for them. And of course, from a patient perspective, you don't want to be in the hospital either, right? So there's a win for the, the patient as well if we can catch that decompensation and deterioration earlier. But to make it a financial thing, Mark, right, is it is lower cost to provide that virtual care to a patient in their home and prevent that hospital stay. And so that's not that's not a pure reimbursement play, right? But it absolutely adds a ton of value, not only for the patient, but for the payer. And when for the hospitals that are driven by reducing readmissions, right, and work in that type of model, of course, Again, you pick the right type of patients and we help with selection criteria with our customers. And those ones who are high risk of coming back, if you can provide virtual care to them and that continuous monitoring, you are absolutely going to decrease your readmissions, right? And so that's another um, non-reimbursement tied. I mean, it's re tied to reimbursement in the sense that they won't get reimbursed for that readmission, right? Within you know 30 days, for example, or 90 days. But it's not just about what can I get reimbursed? Right? And so what we're doing as a team is making sure that our customers and our partners understand the different financial value that isn't just about, can I get reimbursed for this thing or not? Because if you're only going to focus on reimbursement, um, that is one way to do it, but it could also limit your growth and, and what else you could provide versus looking at this more holistically and saying, I don't have to. And by the way, that bed that a patient is not using in the hospital can go to someone else who is in one greater clinical need and or candidly brings in more revenue for the, the hospital or health system, right? Versus the patient who could get great outcomes, maybe even better outcomes at home and isn't using that, that very high cost bed and resources in the hospital. Sure. Yeah. So you're looking at it in a larger kind of construct. It's very interesting. Um, now, uh, one more question. I'll let you go. She's a. Um, I know neither of us uh, has a crystal ball out to know whether there's uh, going to be a turnaround in the digital health funding environment uh, in the second half. But can you tell us what the second half has in store for the company? That's a great question. It's it's. Uh, what can I say here? Right. Um, I think what you're going to see is a, a number of new partnerships. And I say partnerships because I don't really look at 
our customers is just pure customers, right? They pay us, we give them a solution. That is just not how this world works, right? We are working hand in hand to drive adoption. So I think you're going to see two different things, right? One, some new partnerships that we announce that we take on that um, take our solutions to new hospitals, health systems, as well as pharma companies and the partnerships there. I think you're going to see... Um, we're starting to work with payers more. And as you saw, CVS, which is CVS and Aetna, is one of our investors. So um, no big secret that we'll be trying to work with them. And you'll start seeing payers getting more involved in this space. You'll also see more patients getting virtual care. And what I mean by that is you have, through the pandemic, you've had a lot of organizations who have started to put a virtual care program in place. But now we're really starting to see that ramp of patients on those platforms. Does that make sense? Like they're, they were dabbling in it. They were, you know, you get a few patients per month, you then you get to 50 patients per month, hundred patients per month, and you start expanding your disease areas and your diagnoses because change management is difficult and it's been taking some time, but you're now seeing physicians get more comfortable with it. You know, others in the organization who are choosing patients for these platforms, managing patients on these platforms, everyone's getting more comfortable. So I think you're going to see that acceleration, which maybe is not as obvious when you're looking at the market, but you're going to see more of that happen. You're going to see patients over time starting to see that this is a, a way that they can get care that is really good care. And that will take longer than the second half of this year, Mark, right? But I think as you look out into the next you know, five years, 10 years, I don't know about you, but I do a lot from my computer in my home. And so I think you're going to start seeing patients start asking for this too, and really getting confident in the type of care they can get in the home. So I went broader than the sure, second sure. half, Mark, but a lot of excitement. That's okay. Yep. Right, right. It's, it's not about the next six months, is it? It's, it's a longer term play. Two other quick things, if you don't mind, like as I was thinking about what else, right, the trends we're seeing, do you mind if I add a, a couple of things here? No, quickly? please, of course, go ahead. So one is we've been doing virtual care and continuous monitoring of patients in their homes, right? For some time, we've been talking about that. But the other, um, the other thing that we released to the market is our special care platform and solution. What I mean by that is one, we're taking over full management of patients, right? End to end, right? From a virtual care perspective. But number two, we launched a platform, um, our specialty care platform, where we received breakthrough device designation from the FDA. And what we're able to do is not only monitor patients and do remote patient monitoring and management, but then be able to recommend titration of medication. So let's take a heart failure patient, for example. What um, cardiologists and others are always trying to do is get them on what's called guideline-directed medical therapy. That can take a really long time, Mark, if you've got to keep going back to your cardiologist, find, get, get an appointment, they're busy, you know, they have a high census of patients as well. Well, we have a platform that can do that, that can accelerate that and get those patients on guideline-directed medical therapy much quicker. So it's not just about monitoring people, it's about truly managing them with their disease. And then also we're moving from developing, we're seeing a movement from development in digital or developing digital therapies to prescribing digital therapies, right? Some to help improve the effectiveness of um, pharmacotherapy. And so that that's a significant shift as well, right? It's not just about developing these digital therapies and using the technologies that complement to accelerate clinical trials, but we're going to start seeing more of those digital therapies being prescribed, right? As a complement. To, uh, to the drugs, right, that are in the market. And that's where a lot of our pharma partnerships go to. So just other trends, there's, there's so many exciting things. There are so many exciting things happening in the market, uh, Mark. And those are just some of the trends that we're seeing that we're able to help with. Yeah, no, thank you for mentioning those. And it was a fascinating conversation. So thanks so much for joining me, Shisa. Thank you. 
That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizi M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.